Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, Matt. I think there are three real, actual, legitimate spots that are open competition on this roster for starters. Okay, you tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. In no particular order. Middle, we know middle linebacker is. I mean, the team says it. They're going to have an open competition. Yeah. Cornerback two, we had that discussion. Mm-hmm. And I think the other one is slot receiver. Yeah. I don't think there's an open competition at guard. I'm not saying Osiris Torrance can't win it by having an incredible camp. Mm-hmm. I don't think that tight end I count because you're going to have two of them anyway. Yep. If you get Dalton Kincaid on the field before Dawson Knox, that's not to me meaning he's the starter over Dawson. I think they're going to use both of them. Yeah. Um, if you can find another one, you let me know. But I think slot receiver is the third. I think quarterback is something we got to talk about a little bit. Um, I don't think there is a big argument at slot receiver. I think it's something we've spent not a lot of time talking about just because so much of their focus will be on Stefan Diggs and it'll be on Gabe Davis. I think it's Deontay Hardy's jobs to lose. Like they gave Deontay Hardy big money, not big money, but like kind of big money, medium money. They gave Deontay Hardy medium money to come in here and to make an impact. And if you look at his numbers and his production when he's healthy, he is a productive player. He can be a difference maker. I think they're, I don't know what their base offense is going to be, right? Like going into last season, I think we would have been pretty comfortable saying the Bills are going to spend a lot of time with three wide receivers, a tight end and a running back on the field. That's going to kind of be their base offense. This year, I don't know if their base offense is 12 personnel. I don't know if it's 11 personnel. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. I would think, though, when they have three wide receivers on the field, Deontay Hardy is going to be utilized more than Khalil Shakir, than Trent Sherfield, than Justin Shorter. Am I forgetting anybody? I don't know. 
Probably, but uh, well, it, it, I, I want to make the point here that we both we're not dismissing how much Dalton Kincaid's going to be in the slot. Yes, I think he's like a, a lot. He's going to be lot. the slot receiver who's a tight end in twelve personnel. Yes. What we're talking about here is you have we know the two outside starters. We know that's going to be Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. All right, mm-hmm. I would say Justin Shorter's an outside guy, right? I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be factoring in the slot. I don't know if Trent Sherfield's going to play the slot. I feel like he's more of an outside guy, but I think he can play the slot. So I'll, I'll kind of put him in there. What we're talking about here is when they have three wide receivers on the field, who's the third guy in the slot mm-hmm. in between <laughs> Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs. And I agree with you that I think Deontay Hardy has a legitimate shot here. And to me, it comes down to really Shakir against Hardy more than anything. Yeah. That's what I think the battle is. I think Trent Sherfield can play there. He feels a little bit more to me like he'll be an outside guy, but we're going to get a lot of clarity in training camp. I think one thing that feels like it's happening with the Bills offense, they want to use these guys in different roles. You may see Sherfield in the slot and then outside. You may see Hardy outside a player two and then in the slot. And I think Khalil Shakir can do it all as well, mm-hmm. although I think his better position might be in the slot because he's not the biggest body, and I think he can obviously manipulate coverage a little bit better given his skill set from inside than outside. I was told once years ago when I started covering training camp, so it was probably like nine years ago, that you can almost never take anything away from running backs during training camp, and wide receivers are almost always the position that pop. And I think that there's been kind of some just really good evidence of that over the last couple of years. Last year, I remember going to training camp and Isaiah McKenzie popped. We spent a lot of time talking about Isaiah McKenzie, and then he got the opportunity But in that first game, the ball hits his hand. It goes up in the air. They get intercepted. And then it feels like after that, maybe he lost a little bit of the trust that he had and it just continued to go down. I think wide receiver is the position that we learn a lot about at training camp, and we will soon. Even though they don't have the pads on right away, there's not much that they're doing right away. You can see where the chemistry is building. You can see where Josh is looking. And a lot of times, the last few years, that has been in the slot. He had Cole Beasley. Now he had Isaiah McKenzie. I think Hardy's the one who comes into play here the most. I also wonder how much they move digs into the slot moving forward, because I think that can give them some looks that, you know, they've certainly used the last few years, but they have not used as much. Like what if you rolled out an offense that had Gabe Davis and Trent Sherfield on the outside, you threw digs and Kincaid in the slot, like good luck, like good luck. (laughs) trying to stop that. Yeah. And look, James Cook is going to play a little bit Mm -hmm. like out wide. Right. I mean, I would expect him to catch passes out of the backfield. That's a big reason they remember last year was, Oh, this guy runs routes like a wide receiver. Right. I mean, so he's going to be a a, a part of that as well. The two guys. I'm okay. I think we're both clear and we're both on the same page on Hardy. Like this is a guy we both expect is going to play. He's going to factor in. He's going to be in the slot in some capacity, I think, but he's going to play. I think we're both on the same wavelength on Sherfield. This is a guy that maybe something really nice comes from him. I'm interested where you are on Shorter and on Shakir. Um, Shakir is really interesting to me after the year he had. I think I'm higher on Shakir than I've heard a lot of other people on him. Mm-hmm. I do think he still has a chance. I liked him a lot last year Yeah. Um, coming out. Now, just to circle back real quick before on Shakir. You remember why McKenzie had such a great opportunity at camp last year, right? Because Jameson Crowder was hurt. He was hurt right away. He never even started practicing. I think it was like immediately he was Mm -hmm. not practicing. Injuries will happen. Injuries will unfortunately be a part and they will manipulate some of what we're talking about here as far as the depth chart and opportunity. But if everybody stays healthy, 
I still think Khalil Shakir can factor in here. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm Khalil Shakir is such an interesting one to me because I know when they drafted him, they said he could play either spot. They can play him on the outside. They can play him on the inside. And I believe that you probably can, but I still think he's got the skill set and the body type of somebody who should probably really, really be an impact player in the slot on the inside. But then they went out and gave Deontay Hardy money on a multiple year contract that basically runs concurrently with the rest of Khalil Shakir's contract. So I wonder how much faith do they have in him? Because if they did, would they have gone out? I mean, a team that's up to the cap, would they have gone out and signed a guy for three years? It's three years for Deontay Hardy, right? Two. Two. Two years. Okay. Would they Two have for signed? Hardy, one for Sherfield. I'll check on that as you talk, but I believe that's what the deal is. It's just like, would you sign a guy for two years for the money that you gave him to be your slot replacement? Maybe you would. Maybe you want to give yourself as many options as you can moving forward. I think I've heard people say, oh, I could see Khalil Shakir taking a Gabe Davis type step as he continues to progress into his career. The thing about Gabe was that he kind of was utilized right away. Now, it was not to the level that he was in year two, but those crazy plays that were made in the like Colts playoff game, that was his rookie. That was Gabe Davis' rookie season. He caught the touchdown right. to beat the Dolphins week two of his rookie season. Shakir was fine last year. Like the good outweighed the bad to me. The only bad that I can even think of was that deep ball that he dropped, that it looked like he caught, that it ended up falling out of his uh, hands. But I, 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 like, I don't think he's cut. I think Khalil Shakir is on this team. I'm really confident in that. I mean, I'm if just Matt, not at the end of camp, if he's not going to factor, I would think that's the kind of guy you can get an asset for. Yeah, I guess. But what? A seventh? Because he was a fifth, well, sure, right? But that's what Brandon Bean would do, right? I don't think like I don't think Brandon Bean's just going to say he could tr he would try at least. I think he'd try. That's what he does. I mean, yeah, he got something for Cody Ford, right? I, I mean, like Khalil Shakir enough to think that that doesn't happen. Like, and I think they great, like him great. enough to think that that doesn't happen. But I think when you go down the list, Diggs, Davis, Knox, Kincaid, Hardy. I think all of those players have more targets than him this year. Probably right. Look, Gabe Davis, it's a great example you just gave. So go back to Gabe Davis's rookie year. Mm -hmm. He played some. He made some plays. He had some catches, especially in the playoffs. Playoff Gabe started. The next year, they signed Emmanuel Sanders. And Gabe did not elevate. He stayed in the same role he was, mm -hmm. buried behind another wide receiver. Like there's no rule that says in your second year you got to be this, you know, player that has so many more snaps and so many more targets. Maybe that's Khalil Shakir, but it also doesn't mean that he has to be off the team. Deontay Hardy by Deontay Hardy, by the way, nine and a half million dollars for two years. Like they're yeah. paying him. That's they're expecting him. And I think it's one point two for Trent Sherfield, but it is only one year. So yeah, I mean, they're they've invested here in these guys. Gabe Davis as a rookie, you know how many targets he had as a rookie? Uh 40 something. 62. There you go. 62 well, targets for 500 almost the exact same as second year 63 the next year so legitimately yep. one more target but i think that number is high so that kind of stagnant production makes more sense if khalil shakir has what did he have 12 targets last year or 12 catches or something like if he has a similar number then you're wondering like okay what is his long-term potential on this team let's see how many 
catches Shakir had last year. Shakir had 10 catches for 161. He had 20 targets as a rookie. 20 targets, 10 catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. So I think the realistic expectation for him, so he had 20 targets and 10 catches, I think he should have 50 targets and 35 catches. That should be like the expectation for Khalil Shakir. What's interesting to me about Khalil Shakir, though, is as the season went on, he started playing a little bit more, right? Like at the end of the year, he actually got on the field a little more. He got some more targets. Remember, he had a big drop in that playoff game against Miami, but then he had a huge catch later in that same game, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think if I'm remembering the game right, maybe it was the Saturday night game against Miami where that happened. I think it was the playoff game. But as the year went on, he did. I'm going to give you a snap counts real quick. Khalil Shakir, um, well, I mean, a couple of games, blowouts, he was in the 30s, but mostly 15, 17, 9, 15, 16. But at the end of the year, 34, 16, yeah. 12, 22, and 25 at the end, and then the playoff game. So I, that's why he's more interesting, that it seemed like they started to trust him more. He's kind of the Kyrie Elam of offense, right? Yeah, a little bit. I think they trusted him more, though, maybe not just – Maybe it's not anything he did. Maybe it's just that they didn't trust the other people in that position. 30 snaps in the playoff game against Miami, by the way. 30 snaps. Yeah, I mean, I I don't dislike the player. I I actually like the player. I like his skill set. Khalil Shakir was another player. I keep saying Khalil. It's Khalil, whatever. I think he would would understand. Um, He was a player that really popped during training camp last year. We talked about Shakir a lot at training camp. So there's going to be another person who pops this year. Maybe it's him again. Maybe it's Hardy. I just think given the money that they gave Hardy and given his past production in the NFL, I think he has a bigger role on this team than maybe some people are projecting. All right, Matt. Um, Anything else you want to wrap up on this? On, I mean, is there anybody on the roster on the depth chart that you think could even factor in that we haven't talked about, about here? I mean, Desmond Patman, Keyshawn Johnson, not that one. Uh, Keyshawn, he came last year to the team, actually. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Coulter, Brian Thompson, Terrell Shavers, Marcel Aitman, and Jalen Wayne, who, by the way, is the cousin Reg- or nephew? Reggie, uh, Reggie Wayne's Wayne. nephew, yep. I believe. Nephew. Reggie Wayne. As far as the receivers are concerned, not really. I think they're going to keep Diggs, Davis, Hardy, Sherfield, Shakir, and Shorter. I think those are going to be the six guys that make the team. Do you agree? I'm on the fence on shorter. I think if you pin me down right now, I says he makes it. He's your Jay Kumaro who plays mm-hmm. special teams. Yeah. But I could see them keeping five. If there's enough guys around the roster at other spots where they feel that they don't have to do that. And then he's a practice squad guy who maybe gets elevated a couple times. A <coughs> I think the most interesting. Now this is much more of like a depth and who makes the team. I, I would think- agree with you right now, but I'm going to put shorter on. If I did a 53, I think I'd put shorter on. I just want to make that clear. I just, I'm not, I'm not super like entrenched on that. I think the two spots that are the most interesting as far as who makes the team and who doesn't are at offensive line and defensive line. There are a lot of names and bodies there that there will be some decent players who get cut. You wonder, does Boogie Basham have a spot on this team? AJ Epinesa, does Shaq Lawson, like you brought him back, is Jordan Phillips an absolute lock that he makes the team? You brought in Puna Fort. Like, these are now the questions that, we have to think about because so many, especially in the defensive line, 
besides Ed Oliver, all of those guys are under contract for just this more se- just one more season. So you're really not projecting at this point. With that position, you are putting together the best guys that help you right now, and they're going to have some difficult decisions that they have to make. Also, what's going to happen with Von Miller? Like, is Von Miller going to be placed on the pup list right away? Or are they going to give us some update that like, hey, maybe he'll be okay? Do you remember? What did they do? Go ahead. I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're fine. I fully believe Von will start training camp on Pup. I don't think he's going to. He even indicated like by the end of camp, he'd like to get some reps. Well, that means he won't start getting reps early in camp, which means he'll start on Pup. That's what I fully expect. Just like the Jets just did with Brees Hall. But yet everything we keep hearing is Brees Hall is going to be ready week one, but they started him on Pup to start training camp. Was Trey on Pup to start last year training camp? Yes. Okay. Yes. So. And he stayed there. Until what week? Um, I can't remember. Well, it's only a four week deal. Okay. And then, and then you, and then I don't think they took him off pup for a couple more weeks, but then he didn't come back. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, at some point after four weeks, you can go back or you can just stay on pup. But once, once you go back, you have two weeks to actually play in a game. Yeah. That's let me, happened. let me ask you this. This is completely speculation from both of us. When do you think Von Miller plays? Let me look at the schedule. I'm going to guess week six. Okay. I was going to say like week five, somewhere in that range. The only reason I didn't say five is five is London, isn't it? Yeah, it is London. That's the only reason I didn't say it. I I actually only because I think long trip out there. It is grass. Kind of stadium field. Let's make sure we have in our environment that we're all set on this. I think it is grass though. Wembley it is, or not it Wembley is. It's also uh, Tottenham a new field. like it's a new environment you've never played on before right that's true that's true and I, then I don't that, know maybe I'm reading too much into it I just feel like having him at your facility with everything you are comfortable with and he is might be the best option I don't see him playing the first month of the year now that they've signed Leonard Floyd that tells mm-hmm. me kind of that they're preparing for that yeah or I agree with you. It tells me that they're kind of preparing for that as well. I do think, though, Leonard Floyd is not just a let's get you to Vaughn. It's a let's get you to Vaughn, but also, like, I don't know if it's third down late in the season and you need to play. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not convinced that it's Miller and Rousseau. I think it could be like Floyd this. and Vaughn. Like, I think that you could have, you know, a real think about if you had four guys, let's say you've got four guys on the line and you need a big play. You could have Floyd, Miller. You could even put Rousseau inside if you really wanted to get crazy. And then like Ed Oliver. And you just better hope that they don't run. But if they're passing, like that would be scary. Um, That's a great topic that we need to discuss at some point. I agree with you. I think Leonard Floyd, he's going to factor in this year. It's not just, you know, get to Vaughn. You're right. I mean, this is a guy that's had like the fourth or fifth mile of sacks overall in the league over the last three years. Yeah, He's a nine, nine sack guy every year lately. So I think that that's a great point. And this could be a, hey, this guy's here and he's going to help us. And when Vaughn comes back, he's still going to be a major part of what we do. I think fully they anticipate that happening. All right, before we uh, go here, this is the weekend of, you tell me, the British Open or the Open Championship, Matthew? I still call it the British Open, but I know it's technically called the Open Championship. I have it on on the TV right behind us right now. I'm watching it. We're watching it on Thursday morning. Right. What? I think you said it's technically 
Technically, we call it the British Open. Officially, it's yes, the Open Championship. Yes, officially, it is the Open Championship. It's weird that this is the last major of the year now. I understand why they did it. They wanted a major every single month. It's just weird that this is the one they end on. I think, to me, it actually makes me more interested. This was often the one that I think got lost in the shuffle. You want to talk about a year. So my wife and I, this last year has been just insane for like all the wrong reasons but when we went to italy and we got covid last year we got back this weekend and my wife was sick and she thought she had covid like i was in a hospital not a hospital i was in a hotel room for a week isolating and i was actually stuck with my mom yeah so we got home and my wife was like i just don't feel good she's like i wonder if i got covid because she continued on the trip well it turns out she was pregnant so i found out that she was pregnant while watching the open championship on my couch. It was not like this big grandiose moment of like, Oh my goodness, we're pregnant. We're having a baby. It was her walking downstairs and going, Oh my God, we're pregnant. And I'm sitting there watching golf and being like, what? That's how you'll always remember (laughs) what is going on. So yeah. So now I think that is what do I, what I associate with the open championship. I'm I'm hoping nobody surprises me with that news. I'm kind of good on big news and surprises at this point in my life right now. Well, it's funny you say that we found out we were pregnant 10 years ago while in Las Vegas. Ooh. And my wife literally just flew to Las Vegas last night. So now it's bringing back memories for me as well. And let's hope that's not the case this weekend while she's out in Las Vegas um, that we find out, you know, stop all these people thinking things they shouldn't be thinking. You know what I mean? All right. So here, here's what I want to ask though, real quick. You are a golf guy. Like you respect the game. You play the game. You call it the British open. So you don't like get offended or correct people if they call it the British open because you do it. No, not at all. It's like some people do. Okay. I don't. Here's another one that is not, this is a little different, but this is not grammatically correct. What do you call them all in Cheektawaga? Call the what? What do you call the big mall in Cheektawaga? Correct. Well, I grew up there and I call it the Galleria Mall. Exactly. But- that is not right because they okay. mean the same thing. So technically the name is the, or officially the name is the Walden correct. Galleria, but everybody calls it the Galleria Mall. Love it. That's totally fine. Like, that's what you call it. I don't care. Everybody calls it the British Open. I don't care. I don't care if that's not the official name of it. That's what most people know it by. Well, I gave the example the other day on the radio, and I'll say it here. The day everyone starts calling it the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential, the Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential, then I'll care Mm -hmm. more about calling it the Open Championship. These these games, these bowl games, all have these names attached to it. But it is interesting because – some people do care enough because of why it was changed to the British Open, almost because maybe we westernized it because we just kind of said it's over there in Britain, even though actually mm-hmm. most of them are not. Yeah, I know. I know. That's I know that's why they made the change. Great Britain, it right. Conveniently is in Great Britain this year, but it's not always there. Also, uh, shout out Coziel shooting the 71 with you the other day. Amazing. Amazing. And um, unfortunately, you couldn't be there. I know, you know, we extended the invite and I know you were um, going through what you were with your family and your your dad and everything. Um, but I'll tell you, it was something to watch. It was super impressive. And I, Brian Coziel from WGR Sports Radio 550, host of our Tita Green show on Saturday mornings. He shot a 71 at Pendleton Creek in Tonawanda. And I mean, I was in the group watching Matt. He birdied the first hole and parred every single hole for the next 13. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a heck of a day. Is that his? Did he say is that his best his round? Best, yeah, he, what, he put the card on his on his like mirror. He said you're gonna be on my mirror for a while, so I break this one. What is your uh, what's your best round ever? Seventy nine. Seventy nine. Okay, well, it's in the seventies. So actually, my best round ever is also at Pendleton Creek. It was a seventy four. Um, and then I've shot a 75 a couple times at like Niagara frontier. Yeah. I mean, when I used to, when I used to play a lot, you know, in, in Pendleton Creek, I love it there. That's the course that I grew up playing. That's the home course for the Niagara Weedfield golf team. So I played there a ton. I had so many of my friends grew up as members there and somebody who I'm very good friends with is now the, actually the head pro there. Um, so I play Pendleton Creek a lot. It is a scoreable golf course. Like if you are somebody who is, you know, a decent golfer, you should be able to go out and have a fairly good day. The biggest thing with Pendleton Creek is you need to just hit your driver straight. If you're in the fairway off of the tee, you should be able to, because the greens are all pretty similar. They're back to, you know, they start low, they slowly get elevated. You know, you can really go at your putts if you're below the hole. They're not, it's not super long, but I'm not taking anything away from Brian. 71 is a hell of a day. I mean, it's three shots better the best that I've ever shot. So it's, hey. I've never even come close to, I mean, cause that's one under, right? Like, oh my yeah. God. It's one. He shot under par. I've, it was the most incredible, like around I've ever been around someone watching him just hit shot after shot. And anytime it was even close to a bad shot, he just recovered so well, but there's a difference when you say like shoot a decent score. That's right. But 71 is well beyond decent, right? Decent score, like mid eighties is I, I'd be happy with that. If I took that yeah. home, even from Pendleton Creek, which is a scorable course, of course, like you said, all right, Couple of things real quick before we head out of here. Let's reset. Number one, um, don't forget Barbill in Rochester, yep. Barbill Tavern, Monday, July 31. Matt and I are going to be recording and doing this show live on video and audio. Come by, say hi. I say live. We're recording it. We'll put it out after. <laughs> Come say hi. Some special guests along the way, some fun times, some chicken wings, some drinks. Let's do it. Come see us. Nine minute drive from St. John Fisher in Rochester during the heart heart of Bill's training camp while they're out there. July 31. That's a Monday night. We're going to start around seven o'clock. We'll probably be there a little beforehand and we'll stay obviously after to have some fun. The other thing we are on audio, of course, iTunes, Spotify, WGR sports radio, 550 on demand. And of course, in the Odyssey app, we're also on video. Um, Sal sports on the YouTube page. I really want to invite everybody to go and subscribe to the YouTube page, Matt, because a lot's going to be happening there soon. And we're going to do a lot more with my personal YouTube page, but this is a big part of it. So that's all I'll say about it. And I'll fill everybody more in a little bit later, but it's real exciting stuff. So please go and see our smiling faces, Matt. I hope that you and your family, um, are doing better and okay. Like you said, you're never fully okay, but I hope the days um, bring you a lot more comfort as we go on. And I don't know how to say it properly, but you know what I'm trying to say. No, I know what you're saying. And thank you again. And thank you to everybody who reached out the direct messages about what you did when you lost a parent. Somebody told me it's a club that unfortunately one day everybody's going to probably be in. We just happened to be in it a little bit sooner than we anticipated. And that's kind of how I felt. The best analogy that I have heard was from a friend. And they said, right now, you're head your body whatever it is is a 10 by 10 room and there is a massive ball inside that room that is touching the walls in every spot and right now it all hurts every time that ball hits the wall 
it hurts. But as time goes on, that ball gets a little bit smaller and smaller and smaller, and it'll still bounce around the room. And when it hits the wall, it hurts still, but that happens less and less and less. And that is kind of how we're approaching this right now of just getting through it. And honestly, this is therapeutic in a way to do the podcast. My dad loved listening to the podcast. One of the last things we did was listen to the podcast in his hospital room. He was in the hospital for a month. He could just watch TV. So after a while, he was like, hey, throw on a podcast. And then it's weird, like listening to a podcast with yourself in it. But he's like, throw on the podcast. I want to listen to the most recent episode. So I put it on and we sat there and we listened to it. And then we listened to a Sabres thing. And yeah, so, you know, this has been a nice little return to reality. And I'm looking forward to getting back to work for that reason. But what a year. Just can't believe it's happened. We also want to thank our great producer, Lucas Buckley. Always thank you, Lucas. Really nice job. We have more on uh, Lucas as well coming up soon. Uh, Lucas is making moves in this world, and we're really, really proud of him. So I don't think we're going to have him very much longer, if I can say so, because that's a good thing for Lucas Buckley. But in the meantime, he's still with us, and we're very happy for that. Thank you, Lucas, for all your hard work. Hope to see everybody July 31st at Barbill in Rochester. In the meantime, we will talk to you the next time, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.